around the room for those who want to reverse. Uh, no one has to. Um, I always start with John because, well, it's because it's John. Uh, and uh, I, want, I want John to read 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. 2 Peter 3, 8 and 9. And let me just open by saying this. Many people today have really a false impression about how prayer works. And we need to discover this because uh, I don't want you to be disappointed. I want you to realize how important your prayer life is, but I also want you to know the way that God operates. And so uh, we want to kind of look at and think about today what prayer is supposed to be like according to the Word of God. And then uh, we, want to, we want to find out what the Word of God says about prayer. I by no means will get all the verses, but I will give you a um, hopefully a good taste of it and and then lastly how do you know when you're praying correctly that's an important question how do we know that so we're going to open now with second peter chapter 3 verse 8 and 9 john nice and loud but beloved be not ignorant of this one thing that one day is with the lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day the lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Okay. Be not ignorant of this one thing. What is the one thing that we just read? That one day is with the Lord is a thousand years, yes. and a thousand years is one day. God's time. Yes. That ought to... Uh, send shockwaves to your spirit today thinking oh dear lord when are my prayers going to be answered <laughs> um, and let's consider today what what moses said debbie uh, um exodus 33 and 18. moses wanted to know god moses had a prayer life and and this is what he said 33 18 yes Show me thy glory. So, these two verses are going to catapult us into a, a thinking today that I hope will be a great blessing. Have you ever known someone, maybe I'm talking to you directly, who have gone through a terrible trial in your life? And seemingly in the middle of that trial, the middle, you don't have the answer yet but you're now well into the middle of it. <laughs> uh, and you're thinking, dear Lord, I've waited a long time for my deliverance. Yeah. I thought God answers prayer. They wait and they pray. The waiting is long and weary, arduous, heavy, unfun. How's that for a good word, huh? Unfun. Yeah. Isn't it amazing that sometimes our prayer life is militant, meaning I command it in Jesus' name. I can run through a troop, I can leap over a wall, praise God, right? Right. Defying the very 
commanding and knowing that we have power over the enemy. But other times, I also see Kevin Erickson praying, faltering, <laughs> weak, full of wonder, worry, pleading, begging. <laughs> what happened to your command? <laughs> what happened to your militant spirit? Well, it kind of depends on the, where I'm at in the trial. Kind of depends on when I think I'm getting the answers I need in my life. Yeah, it's, you know, sometimes people pray not in faith, but because they are faithful. Think about that for a moment. I pray because I know I'm supposed to. I pray because I know a Christian's supposed to pray. But I'm not praying expecting anything. <laughs> I've learned enough lessons that I may never know, but I'm going to keep trying. And we have that mentality that I'm not sure that's where God wants us to be today. Out of loyalty, we pray. They haven't seen or heard anything from God in a long time. Things are feeling pretty lonely. <laughs> and you're wondering, what's the use? But there's only really one reason today why this type of a person who's in the middle of that trial and hopeless situations in their life, why that person would keep praying. It's because that God designed prayer and waiting, prayer and waiting to be inseparable. Part of prayer is waiting today. Now, I'd like to tell you that there are incredible uh, mega Christians out there, incredible preachers, incredible evangelists that can you know, bring down heaven any moment they say, jump. But the fact of the matter is, prayer was designed to not give you an answer of when. That's just, I don't mean to be negative, I'm just saying it's the truth of the matter. Prayer makes absolutely no sense if you take it apart from waiting. Because it's about being the key for, for prayer is that he would make us into his likeness. And Jesus had to go through a process. He didn't just snap his fingers even if he was God. But he lived it. Yeah. He walked it who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Prayer is a time and a place in our lives where we are much more like Jesus than at other times. Prayer and waiting are inseparable. They are, as we say sometimes, joined at the hip. Yeah, it almost sounds depressing. My goodness, our, our wonderful guests today are saying, dear God, what a negative message. <laughs> just, just hold on. Don't give up on me yet. <laughs> Wait, we got to hear the rest of the story. Okay. Yeah, let me 
ask you this. Is prayer really just about getting things? Getting even? Getting rich? Getting well? Getting justice? Or is it the Lord working in our lives to make us more and more like he is? Oh, that almost hurts. Matter of fact, if all that's all prayer was, we'd have we'd have a different name for it. We might call it oh, revenge, luck, medicine. Or how about magic? Well, thank God that's not what prayer is, is it? That's not the outcome the Lord is looking for in our lives today. Prayer is not about bantering and bargaining with God. Would you take 20? <laughs> I had fun the other day. I, I told someone on Marketplace, I offered them a, you know, an extremely low number just for fun. I figured, I figured you know, <laughs> if, they, if they took it, I'd get it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't quibble, but I, I, didn't, I wasn't expecting to get it. And, I, and the guy got upset with me. <laughs> I said, okay. You don't, you don't want to give away your cell? Oh, no problem. <laughs> but but the, I'm joking. But, but we, don't, we don't treat God that way. And we pray God doesn't treat us that way. No, becoming like Jesus is the long haul today. Now that, I will tell you, that's not negative. It's opening yourself up to many chapters in your book of life. And he is the author and the finisher of your faith. So sometimes becoming more like the Lord is painful. Sometimes it's difficult at best. Not all the time. Sometimes we just have to see and know that good is happening here even though it seems like I'm paying an extreme price right now. <laughs> Think about some famous Bible characters for a moment today. Uh, all of these people in the Word of God were men and women without exception. They were people of action. That's how the Bible defines their faith. They, they did something. The Lord clued them in. They, he spoke to them and they, and they acted upon that. And God blessed them, and God came through. Amen. And sometimes those people were stubborn. Sometimes they were lazy. Sometimes they were rebellious. Sometimes people are cowardly. But most of the time, prayer works because of God's timing, not your attributes. So thank God today we're not looking for the elite in here. We'll just have Brother you know, John do all of our praying because he's the one who's, who's got it. He's got all of his ducks in a row. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible wants every one of us to, to trust him. Think about a God today who waited for one Pharaoh to die 
before another could su succeed him and he could bring Israel out. Oh. That's, there's a thought. I'm waiting for somebody to croak before my prayers <laughs> answer. <laughs> or, or how about this? God who promised a land flowing with milk and honey, and yet in order to help Israel to fix and repair some character flaws, allowed them to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. A generation. Or how about a God who, by bringing judgment upon Saul, King Saul, at the same time anointed a young man by the name of David, and then waited 12 years with Saul brooding and jealous and trying to take David's life before his plan ever came to fruition. Talk about timing today. Right. One day is as a thousand and a thousand is one day. That's what I'm talking about in prayer today. I'm talking about timing here. How do, we, how do we command God to do something? Well, I don't know anybody who can. We can, we can offer faith believing. We can come and do it the Bible way. But we still are on his time clock. That's what's frustrating about prayer life. Few things in the Christian life will puzzle us more and will aggravate us more than not being able to say, jump, Jesus, jump. <laughs> and expect him to answer something immediately. Right. Much of our doubt and disappointment and discouragements are all traced back to times when we desperately needed. We begged God. We asked God. We tried to do everything we could we try to become better so God would somehow answer our prayer. Try to buy him off, you might say. And nothing happened. Can you all relate to this? I've spent some time on this, but I'm trying to get you to realize this timing thing is something that's out of your hands and my hands. If you're going to change churches because this pastor doesn't get things fast enough, I'm, you, you may be looking at the wrong criteria. What you've got to realize today is God has a timetable that he's working something out for our good, the Bible says. Not necessarily for my whim. And so what happens to us? Well, we become indifferent. We become numb. We pray because we know we're supposed to. We pray because we know we should have a habit. But we're just, you know, realizing that I've had my hopes dashed before. I'm not sure I really should, should trust God too far. Now, I've just been talking about realistic feelings people go through today. I'm not saying that's right. I'm not saying that's what God, the outcome of this Bible study should be. I'm just saying that I brought you here to realize today, Peter said, 
take notice of this one thing. He said, make sure you understand this one principle, that God's timing is not your timing. Right. So what we have to learn today in prayer is the idea of divine delay. God has his timing. All right, so all that said, Peter said, don't be ignorant of this one thing. Timing issues. God's timing. Reading again. 2 Peter 3, 8, 9, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord is a thousand years, and one thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Did God say he would answer prayer? Yes. Absolutely it does. Yes. So how do we take this conundrum of us not knowing God's timeline versus God is faithful to answer prayer. And how do we put that together? As men, as some men count slackness, but in long suffering to usward and not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Um, Let's look at uh, Susie Ketch John 9, one through three. This is kind of a different view on prayer, I know, but but just, just, I feel like it's fair to talk about this because it's Bible. John 9, 1 through 3. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. God had a plan for this man, didn't he? That's right. We, we don't know this man's age, other than that he was of age. I, if we were to pretend for just a moment today that he was 20 years old, <coughs> 20 years of fumbling in the dark, grasping for handholds and rails, having people lead you about, having to feed you, having to give you because you couldn't employ yourself. All for God's will to be done in your life. Lord, it's got to be better than this. It's a long time to wait for God's promises to be displayed in your life, isn't it? All these years of feeling Grasping, holding, groping, wandering in darkness so that the work of God might be displayed in his life after all this. That's pretty frustrating. But here's the point about this delay that God has, divine delay. God doesn't mind waiting. (laughs) I'm just just full of good cheer today, aren't I? They're going to be looking for somebody better by now, next week. Um, uh, Elaine, catch Revelations 5 and 8. And when he had 
taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. Think about this. this these vials of, of these, these odors, this, this beautiful smell that wafted up in God's presence that he loved. All the prayers. It doesn't tell us the prayers that were answered on man's time. Much more importantly, it was a gathering of incense of all prayer. A beautiful fragrance that wafted up and swirled about our Heavenly Father's nostrils. Mingling with the intensity of never-ending worship of His angelic beings gathered from all corners of the globe, every generation of time. This incense represented the afflicted, the comforted, the lonely, the reunited, the, comfor the, the comforted, the lonely, the reunited, the dying, the rejoicing. They are all there before the Lord through prayers. What a powerful image it is to think that, don't ever think that prayers are unimportant. And the fact that the Lord loved it and, 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 and wanted it in his presence. But it's also a troubling image to think, because it's our greatest fear about prayer, that we are concerned that all of our spiritual efforts may end up just smoking scent. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> A sweet-smelling savor. And there's no sign of fulfillment or completion here. Only that God's people prayed. If that's all that prayer is today, <clears throat> I mean, it's like the illustration of someone trying to put aftershave on a dead corpse and, you know, trying to bring it to life. It's not, it's not getting us anywhere. It's not real. <clears throat> no, we want to move God's hand. We want, we want God to do something. Yes. We want to watch God heal. We want to watch God deliver. We want to watch God move in our marriage. We want God to move over our children's situations. Yes. No, we're, we're compelled today to pray because we believe that our God answers prayer and that he does something great. Yes. So can this be all there is? It's just... God, this beautiful scent wafting up before God, and, and, and that's all the Bible says about prayer? Surely not. We're not just doing this to give God a cologne. <laughs> we didn't do this just so that we could, he could smell our prayers, yeah. right? I'm being facetious here, but. We, we pray because we want God to answer them. Yes. I want prayer, as a human being today, I want prayer to look like I'm building this, this cabin. I want, I want you to know that Buck built this building. I may have helped finance it, and I, I've helped here and there on different parts of it. But we're building this little cabin on our property so we can have people stay and, and uh, have fellowship with them. 
And, um, uh, and so there's some obvious things. We, we started with a foundation and we built up and, and there were expectations every day of what, was gonna, what we were going to see. First was the blocks, and then and then came the the base that was built so that it could be very strong and powerful. Then then up came the the stud walls, and then after the stud walls, and came the plate that went all the way around it, tying it all together. And then after that came the the trusses, and you know all these things are expectations. We then the, then the OSB on top of that, and and the metal and all that. And and we, that's the way I want my prayer life to go. I wanted to begin, and I wanted to see the escalation. I wanted to see the steps that something's happening. We're moving here in the right direction. But is that the way that God operates? I want prayer to look like a house being built. I want it to work quickly. I want to see tangible, noticeable changes every day. I want it to be transformed from sticks and sticks piles of sticks and wire on the ground to becoming something that's usable and functioning. But too often, I experience prayer like the weather. <laughs> it follows its own pattern, and it's a mystery to me. <laughs> it might change the quality of the air temporarily. It fluctuates the temperature for a moment. It may alter the ground with dew or wetness for a day, but really otherwise it leaves everything virtually unchanged. And so, Lord, tell us more than this, please. Bottom line, prayer sometimes seems like a wonderful fragrance for God when I really needed it to move the earth. Why pray then? Why even do it? This idea of perfume is the question behind all of our struggles to pray. If prayer worked with more obvious results, like building a house where you could see tangible changes every day, we might find it to be a difficult work, but we wouldn't doubt its usefulness. We, we would pray because we saw the effects ahead. We would see the difference it made by simply charting its progress and knowing that it was here yesterday and today it's here. And tomorrow it's going to be there. We often declare, let's pray with just barely enough volume to drown out the enemy's incessant voice, the screaming in my heart and my questions sometimes of why bother? What good will it do? And yet the Bible has more to say about this than merely that it was a perfume. That was something God was well pleased with in the Bible. Mark 9 and 21. Uh, Rich, you okay? Mark 9, 21 through 24. Another, another story, parable in Scripture here. Uh, chapter 9, verses 21 through 24. And he asked his father, How long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, Of a child. And often 
times it hath cast him into the fire, and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us, and help us. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out, and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. Wow. Before we criticize a father and say, where's your faith, man? Don't you know who it is you're talking to? Can you imagine what this man had gone through? Remember that this boy has been like this from his childhood. For years, he's watched his son try to fight a power, an enemy that, is, that he is no match for. The father couldn't help him. It was a spiritual thing. No father would stand by the side and let that happen if, if there was something he could do, but there simply was nothing this man could do for this condition. And so his father had been forced to watch and stand by the wayside and see the torments and the problems and the affliction this little boy had gone through all of these years. Day after day, he had been forced to witness merciless, evil, plump, pummeling his child, bent on destruction and destroying his little boy. You have to know it would wither any man who was a father of that child. By now, he's tried everything. <laughs> every doctor, every potion, every quack cure. Every miracle worker, every holy man, every prayer meeting, every incantation, every claim that marketing had to offer, every new attempt would torture his heart with hope and despair at the same time. I've been here before, and I've watched my son continue being mercilessly abused. And then... Not to mention that, but as Jesus' own disciples could do nothing. The greatest of hope of all, those that followed Jesus, that they would surely be able to do something. Just one more huge failure in a long, miserable string of failures. No wonder this man said to the Lord, Lord, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. I believe, but help me to overcome this wall of unbelief that has come in my life through all this that's happened to me. So before you criticize a dad and offer him just a cliche of some kind of encouragement or word, the same man probably at set times was one of those who was, you know, powerful in prayer at times, demanding of, of God, and other times weak and anemic and begging God. You can imagine how that man went through all of his ups and downs because of his love of his son and watching the tragic things flow out, happen to him. Sometimes he's empty. Sometimes he would just weep. Sometimes he was helpless. 
and he kept coming back to saying, but I believe, but I, I can't even get a hold of it. I can't see it. They must have gone to the greatest of the evangelists and taken them all away to some far city or state to just to be in some great revival. Anything that could help my son. If right now you said to this man, take courage. Be encouraged in the Lord. Your prayers are gathering before God as a sweet perfume. <laughs> That wouldn't go very far with that man. He probably would want to box you, knock you in the nose. Probably that's the last thing you'd want to hear is, yes, we've just put all your prayers through all the generations of time all in one vial. And yet, that's really what the scripture said at this point. All the years of praying, all the crying, the beautiful fragrance, and whatever God was working and doing in this man's life and what he would do in the future. Suddenly, after all these years of despair, the defeat and the hurts and the pain and the struggle this man and his son had gone through, all of a sudden, in a moment, his prayers were answered. What gets Jesus from the beauty of enjoying his people that have faith that pray? as a sweet perfume before his nostrils, and then all of a sudden having God answer prayer. That's really what we've been waiting for for the last 35 minutes. Suddenly, after all these years, he watches the Jesus command the demons to flee, and the little boy is healed, and his disciples saying, why couldn't we cast them out? And listening to the annoying exasperating, maddening answer from the Lord. This kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Jesus, what do you think we've been doing? <laughs> I've given you all the third party view on this today. And then Jesus didn't answer them but he gave them seemingly more mystery when he said and until you understand John's second image of prayer that we're about to read now in Revelations then all of a sudden something changes in Revelations John 8 uh, Revelations 8 3 through 5 John And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer. And there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense, which came with the prayers of the saints, ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. Boom. All of a sudden, that same perfume is mixed with the fire of God. Yes. And it becomes now no longer a perfume, but now it becomes as though it were a bomb dropped from heaven. And then things begin to change, and the dynamics change. 
that long wait, all of a sudden, in a moment of time, changed. Everything is interrupted from all the common, all the hurt and the, and the things that we've gone through, all the questions. In a moment, in a moment, the prayer comes, you, the answer comes, yes. and God helps us. Well, we don't know today as, as how often when this is happening, but all we know is that's continually happening, that God is bringing forth the answers, for he answers his people. Yes. He answers prayer. Yes. But it comes at a point and a way beyond our choosing every time, beyond our ability to predict or to control, to delay or to hurry. That's the frustrating part about prayer is that God wants you to trust him and that he's never too late. He's always right on time. Yes. He's always a God who's well aware of what your needs are. You see, somehow in this um, poetic symbolism of revelations, we simply see that there's a way that God enjoys knowing that his people are trusting him and calling on him. And all of a sudden, in a moment of time, God has a way of taking those prayers and sending them back with fire from heaven and has an answer from God. It's not once for a, for a millennium, for over all the periods of time, but it's, it's happening here a little and there a little, and God's sending the answer, and God is giving us the very answers that we need. When our final prayers finally come back to earth, hurdle ignited with fire of God, all of a sudden things change. All of a sudden marriages are healed. All of a sudden we look back on things and we say, what, what happened? How did, it, how did it change? All of a sudden there's healing in our body. All of a sudden there's something that happens in our life. So it's like there's two facets of, of prayer. There's, uh, there's that which is sweet odor unto God and that which is the answer of God of answering his prayers to, for he's faithful. Not to leave us defenseless. Not to leave us alone. But he comes. One woman said this, Does anyone have the foggiest idea what sort of power we so blithely invoke? Or as I su suspect, she said, does no one believe a word of it? <laughs> Talking about how that sometimes we go to prayer in the wrong mode. We should realize today that there's a God in heaven, a God who loves his people praying, and a God who loves to answer the prayers. It's his desire. Amen. The church is like children playing on the floor with their chemistry sets, mixing up a batch of TNT to explode on a Sunday morning. It's madness to wear delicate ladies' hats and clothing to church. We should all be wearing crash helmets. Ushers should issue light preservers and s signal flares, and they should leash us, latch us to our pews. Yes. I like her view. If we only knew the power of God, yes. what he wanted to do. Yes. I gave you the whole, 60% uh, of the message was talking about how people feel, because we don't know God's timing. We don't understand how the God works sometimes. But all I can say is today, never stop praying. Don't give in now. My God is faithful to his people. He loves us today. He wants you to have victory. And this is where your faith has to say, I don't know how, I don't know when, but my God 
is on the throne today. And he knows what he's doing. Isn't it frustrating today with all the stockpile of God's power and might and will stacked up in heaven today? The really bottom line of prayer is simply a discipline that says, don't ever give up, but pursue. Our job today is wait. Wait on the Lord. We live with the conviction that the Lord is now is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness. What we expect may take forever. A thousand years can happen in a day. We need to realize today. But more often, what we wish would happen in a day seems like it takes forever. <laughs> But the key to our is our attitude toward prayer. It's realizing today how important it is what you are doing is something that's transforming heaven. And it's empowering God to work and move on the face of this earth far beyond nature that he created, far beyond seed time and harvest. God wants to move on behalf of those who have faith and will pray. Jesus tells his disciples of his coming kingdom. And they are left with one nagging question. Where, Lord? Here's what he said. They asked the Lord this in, in Luke 17, 37. Where is the evidence of all these things that you have promised? That's the question every Christian has on their mind. Debbie, catch Luke 18 and 1, if you would please. Luke 18 and 1. And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Yeah. The disciples were, are waiting for God's fire to ignite the incense, for the perfume of their prayers to be made into bombs, as it were, <laughs> dropped to take care of all the situations. So to help them cope with seemingly endless delays and diversions along the way, Jesus tells them a parable about a widow who literally nagged an unjust judge into finally granting her plea. Debbie, catch Luke 18, 6 through 8 now, if you would. Yeah. You see, prayer is just that. Crying out day and night without seeing justice, but continuing anyhow. Lord, teach us to pray, the disciples asked. Okay, pray like this. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Great. Now there's a prayer that's going to not, that's never going to be answered in a day. But that's one of those 10,000 year things. <laughs> Maybe not even in thousands of years. 
certainly not in my lifetime. And yet Jesus taught us, pray this anyways, because you don't realize there's a God in heaven who wants to answer your prayer. Not just your church, not just some great evangelist you hear that tells you about what God has done in his life. God wants to answer your prayer. He wants you to know that there's a God who knows your name and he knows how to love you and care for you. To know that even today your your prayer could come immediately because we just don't know God's timing. The key to successful prayer is continue praying in spite of seeing poor results or even no results. There are some of you here today that could tell us stories of things that you've seen, you've been a part of, some of the hurt and the woe and the heartache that you felt, people you love that were going through things. You could tell us about the prayers that seemingly were were hitting against a brass ceiling and seemingly weren't going anywhere. And yet you also could possibly tell us of a day and a moment of time when all of a sudden their eyes opened, yeah. healing came, the miraculous happened, and God did great things. Uh, um, Susie, catch Isaiah 40, 31. I'm almost to an end. Are you all, is everybody okay? Am I killing you? I'm not trying to. Just a couple more minutes here. Well, maybe a few more than that. Isaiah 40, 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Yes. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Thank you, Lord. Humanly speaking, there are two things that are contrary to all that we've talked about today in this verse. And let me just define them for you. The first is that waiting is not the pathway to weariness, but to renewal in this scripture. That's something we don't understand. Mm -hmm. We think waiting means we're losing the game. What's the sense of praying? It's not happening. And we needed an answer yesterday. So the first thing that's wrong with this is that waiting is the pathway to renewal, not to ruin. Remember that what God wants most in your life today is that you would become like him. He started off with us as sinful people, for all have sinned. None of us were good. We've had to work through our lives. Some things we've had to fight and face all our life of things that we wished we could have do better on. It's taken us a long time to, to win victories through. But that's not all that God is working on today. Not to, not to minimize our sins, but to maximize his likeness. And that's why prayer is so important today in your life. Look at 2 Corinthians for just a moment. I won't, we won't go there, but it reads like a diary of, of Paul's unanswered prayers. A, a log of horrible things that happened to Paul, dilemmas and fiascos and disasters that happened in Paul's life. Paul has prayed to become like the Lord, and all he has received thus far is an overwhelming sorrow 
persecution, hardship, torture, hunger, rejection. Then just when it would seem that enough is enough, then on top of that, the Lord gives him a thorn in his flesh. Yeah. <laughs> and the messenger of Satan to buffet me. And when he pleads for relief and deliverance, not just one time, but three times, Paul pleads for deliverance. Instead of the answer Paul, I think, was hoping he was going to get, he gets this from the Lord. My grace is sufficient for thee. It is in this place of seemingly unanswered prayer that Paul's greatest answer to prayer is found. For he said this, for when I am weak, then am I strong. Waiting is one of God's most effective means in your life today to make you into the image of Christ. And that is the most important thing in your life. Would you rather have a cancer taken out of your body or would you rather go to heaven? You have to weigh and see from God's perspective. He, when we stand before the Lord that day and it's those mass of people that no man can count, Revelation speaks of. Right? As Brother Martin said that two weeks ago, and all of a sudden, the Lord calls your name out of that whole mass because he knows you. And he does. Praise God. He knows my name. According to the rules of Hebrew poetry, the sequence of ideas should progress from lesser to greater. So we would expect the promises here to be reversed, to walk and not faint, run and not be weary, and mount up with wings as eagles. But the sequence is far more truthful in this mode that Isaiah gave to us. Because any of us can walk. It's seemingly that's, a, that's just commonplace. But God sees it otherwise. We may want wings, but what we really need is to walk without falling down. We need to live for God consistently and faithfully. We need to simply learn not to faint. And so Isaiah's verse really is in the proper sequence. So in closing, what's more miraculous? Elijah calling down fire from heaven? Or his willingness to continue preaching in spite of death threats from the wicked King Ahab and his queen Jezebel? David receiving honor of an anointing from the prophet Samuel or learning to keep the right attitude toward a jealous King Saul as Saul tried to kill him. Healing the lame, the blind, and the sick through the gifts of the Spirit or caring for people with diligence and genuine love day after day and investing in people. The crippled man taking up his bed and walking, or living faithfully and thankfully in his painfully immobile body year after endless year, but still being able to give God credit and praise as being an awesome God. Yes. A handsome Christian artist worshiping 
God on stage among the thousands of those who adore him. Or a senior saint, saint with Parkinson's disease praising God alone in their apartment. Just talking about from God's perspective here. You see, he's very interested in you that you are able to give him yes, praise because of a heartfelt relationship with him, yes. not just because the Bible tells us to. Right. Amen. Right. Will we just be an anointed preacher who receives accolades for an incredible job, sermons on dynamic power? Or what about the unknown prayer warrior who has learned, oh, consistency, consistency, thou art a jewel, and keeps bombarding the throne room of God with perfume, knowing that one day bombs are going to fall. <laughs> William Willimon went to Russia in the late 1970s at the height of the Cold War. It was part of a delegation to report on the state of Christian churches under the atheistic re regime that was going on there. The church in Russia, he said, is just a bunch of little old ladies praying, he said dismissively. Willimon never wrote his story until it was in the early 1990s. And when he did, he told the story even as already the statues of Stalin and Lenin lay toppled and Russia had become a free state. Yeah. Just little old ladies praying wow. who brought down a regime that was so powerful and so mighty. Mm -hmm. the, the moral of the story is beware of little old ladies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who pray, who pray. They may look like perfume makers, but really they're the top bombers in God's army, Air Force, I should say. Some would say it's just incense, and others would realize today, no, 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 it's far greater than incense. It's a God who reveals himself. And so Moses asked, and I read this verse, had it read to you today. He said, I, and he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. Moses didn't receive the answers he wanted in prayer. For the Lord never revealed himself to Moses. He saw his backside, his hinder parts, I believe the Bible says. And God said, Thou canst not see my face, where there shall no man see me and live. And so Moses lived and died with that prayer on his lips, unanswered, until 1,500 years later. 1,500 years later, all of a sudden, he finds himself on this thing called the Mount of Transfiguration, seeing the Lord and speaking with him face to face. That's, that's remarkable. That's a God 
who warned us, be sure you understand God's timing right. <laughs> is not your timing. Right. And he's going to take care of you. He's going to, he's, yes. he loves you. Yes. He's going to help you. But realize that when you pray, it's not Santa Claus list saying, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want. But your prayers are what leads you home to a relationship with our Heavenly Father. And that's something that's precious today. Amen. So I, I, I apologize for taking that long today. Any thoughts before? Any thoughts on that today? Please, someone bail me out. Okay. God said, no, he was waiting to, for that particular time to heal him. But since he knew that that boy had to go through his childhood, his youth as a blind man, but since God knew that, he surely gave him, he knew who he had picked for that. Just like he picked Mary to bear Jesus. He picked her for that and made her, because she was a particular, a particular woman, just like this blind man was probably a particular blind man. God made him able to bear that cross. I, at that same moment, I had a thought. <clears throat> God brought me back to the 20-something years that I walked and wandered around in darkness. And when my faith and prayers, and I'm sure the prayers of my family, met God's plan, mm -hmm. the miracle happened. Right. And I'm right. so thankful for that. That's right. exactly what was my thoughts at that moment. Right. And then the, the whole lesson goes to now, my prayers now, mm -hmm. my prayers then, and they were answered, and I know my prayers now will be answered. It's just on God's time. Right. Debbie, you, God may have had to wait just until your husband would come around. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's possible that hardness of heart was part of the issue. I remember I talked about stubborn, rebellious. Uh, oh, sorry, sorry. Okay. Sorry, I'm just joking. long-suffering, yes. leading us to repentance, yeah. so that when we get our yes. mind right, our right. heart awesome. right, our desire yes. right, so that yes. my prayer isn't a Santa Claus list, that's, that's where that yes. bomb drops. Awesome. Very good. Yes. yes, but Scott. She said different words. This isn't, this isn't my thought, but this is Bobby Gerald's thought. Right. Very good. It's that every morning when you get up, 
start worshiping. Yes. God bless you. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Absolutely does. Trust yes. God. He loves you. He gives Amen. Yes. Very good. Yes. That's very good. We want. You just have to realize today that that God. He wants you to test the waters. He wants you to to stretch yourself, have faith, but but still also remember today that that the outcome that God is doing is building us, developing something in us that is is beyond our own human ability, and. Um, we are precious in the sight of God. And, and you have to realize we're not just a human being. When you start talking about the shaping of God in a Christian's life, you're talking about God investing some things to bring us to how we are. That's right. That's right. Amen. Sister Betty. Brother Erickson, in October of 1964, we were moving from Nina, Arkansas here. There was mother and me. This was in October before Scott was born in January. There's three women coming with a pickup load of everything we had. Started pouring down rain. Mom said, girls, we gotta pray. We started to pray and the Lord came down in that truck and we got happy and the rain backed off. Yeah. Once in a while it would get to the hood and we would pray and it would back. We drove 200 miles in between pouring rain. Wow. When we got home, everything was dry. Awesome. We yeah. came to pick it up and said, everything's ruined. It's been raining. I said, no, on that truck it wasn't raining. Yeah. And he couldn't believe that everything was dry. And that might seem a small thing, but all through my life, when anything yeah. bad happens, right. I look back to that. Yes, and know right. that God cares. yes. yes. Thank you. Yes. And he's, he's not ever going to leave us. No. But that... I mean, you can't believe it. Just the rain just—it was just pouring behind the truck and in front of the truck, and we drove 200 miles in the dry. Praise the Lord. Yes. I've had several times in my life when God answered the same day that I prayed, but most often it takes a lot longer. <laughs> and I was yeah. thinking about Daniel. He prayed and fasted and, and sought the Lord for 21 days. Yes. And the angel came and said, I was sent the first day that you prayed. Yes, that's yeah. right. Yeah. His answer was on the way all that time. God then didn't forget him. And God wasn't ignoring him. No, no. And I remember when my children were small, we'd say prayers at bedtime and they decided they were going to pray that my father-in-law would stop smoking. And so every night for a month, I prayed, God, let Papa Stanley stop smoking. And after a month, he came and visited us one Saturday and stayed all day. And they said, Mom, did you realize he didn't smoke while he was here? He didn't even have any cigarettes in his pocket. Yeah. And Ron and I hadn't even really paid that much attention. And so Ron asked his dad, and he said, Oh, yeah, I stopped about a month ago, cold turkey. <laughs> awesome. And, you know, people don't stop smoking cold turkey yeah. more than a pack a day yeah. without God helping him. That day, the first day they prayed, God sent that answer. Yeah. And they just didn't know about it yet. Yeah. I'll never forget 
the babies I had here visiting. Um, they were small churches up in upstate New York. My, my brother and my brother-in-law and sister and, and the babies all were churches up there. But they had, it was a blistering winter, terrible snowstorm. And they, they had taken their church van to go to a rally. And, and uh, they had the van full of people. And the, the windshield wipers weren't working. And, and Brother Beatty just said, well, we have to turn around. And, and Sister Beatty said, no, uh, let's just pray and ask God. And, and Brother Beatty said, no, we need to get these windshield wipers fixed. And so she said, let's pray. And so they prayed and turned them back on, and only hers worked. <laughs> Appreciate you all for listening to that. I, I hope I wasn't too long on you today. But uh, but God is going to bless your life. And that's the most important thing. Yes. Amen. Yes.